yesterday, today, and forever. That you are our portion, you are our inheritance. And in, na- in your name, Jesus, we are saved. Amen. This morning I'm talking on an inheritance. It's, the, it's a word or theme that God has been just kind of dropping into my mind for the last couple of months. Um, and I think the words that have been shared this morning, they all tie in with what God, I feel God's given me to share. And I think what Alan was uh, prophesying about the uh, redigging the old wells. I think that's part of the inheritance God wants us to realize as a church, is to open up the old wells. And you can, when you talk about inheritance, you can be very kind of, you can spend a long time in the Old Testament looking at different rules and ways how the inheritance was divided up and when God gave the Israelites the promised land, what, what happened there. And I won't go into much detail, but I'll touch upon it little because I think there's important foundations for the inheritance God wants to give us. So, you know, Israelites, God gave word to Abraham and said, your offspring will inherit this land at the point when he had no offspring, at the point when he was old and gray and probably rather crinkled. And in natural, there was no hope of offspring, yet God gave him a word and said, to your offspring, I will leave this land. And then we know generations later, the offspring did inherit the promised land. But when the word was given in natural, there was, you would have been fooled to say or believe that because in natural there was nothing that encouraged the word to be believed in. But in a spiritual, in a supernatural, everything was possible. And Abraham, he was in the natural mind that he was saying, what's the point of you leaving me all this land, God? Because the only person I've got to leave it to is my servants, with some random name that I can't pronounce. <laughs> but that was, that was Abraham's mindset. But what's the point of you giving me all this blessing? Because I have nobody to pass it on to. The only person I have is my servant. I have no child. So why would you bless me like this, God? But God still wanted to bless him. He, time after time, the word was reinstated that your offspring will be like the stars in the sky, the sand in the sea, innumerable. And in natural, there was nothing. And then we fast forward a couple of hundred years, and Abraham, Abraham's offspring are at the point of claiming the promised land. And they enter in, they are led into their inheritance. To me, I always kind of, I always thought Joshua, he conquered the promised land. But actually, when you look at the scriptures, Joshua led the Israelites in the promised land. He led them into into their inheritance. And God had given the word, and they were being obedient to the word. It wasn't that they were making an effort to battle it out. They still had to have battles on the way to get there. But because God had given the word, the inheritance was theirs. And when the time to came to divide it, it was by each tribe, it was divided. So I think they took the names of all the babies, male babies, 
of six months and above and counted them all up. And based on that, each tribe got their inheritance. So it was fair and square based on the size of the tribe. Each received their inheritance. Apart from the Levites, whose inheritance was God. Which is incredible. And that's God's promise to us as well. He's our inheritance. And we are his inheritance. Because throughout the Old Testament, God talks about Israel as his inheritance. How amazing is that? We are God's inheritance. And he's our inheritance. It's one of these circular arguments that you kind of keep thinking about too much and it confuses you. But if you just think you are God's inheritance, you are the thing God loves and values, how amazing and wonderful is that? And Israelites, they were called to be the people of his inheritance. It wasn't about what they owned and what they had, but it was about who they were. In Deuteronomy, God says, I have brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his, his inheritance. He's talking in third person. As you now are. So we have been called to be the inheritance. We have been called to be the hope in this world. When all around us is this despair, misery, we have been called to be the inheritance. We've been called to be the hope. And the good news is, God doesn't want anybody to miss out on the inheritance. There's enough for everybody. As most of you know, I come from a large family. I'm one of ten. So when the time comes that I'll get my inheritance, which will be a pile of books, because my parents haven't got much money, but they've got lots of books. So when the time comes for me to get my inheritance, it will be one-tenth of whatever my parents leave. But as God's kingdom, it doesn't matter how many children he has you still get your inheritance and it's not diminished by the number of people. It's increased by the number of people. So just because somebody else is getting blessed, don't be jealous. Because just because somebody else is being blessed, it doesn't mean that God can't bless you. It's not taking away from you the fact God is giving somebody else something. And I think in our human minds it's really difficult to realize that because I guess... Being brought up in one and ten, you realize that when you share things out, the more there are, the less you get. Especially when it comes to sweets and things, it was very strict business. <laughs> and my mum was rather clever, so she came up with the genius system of making sure that whatever was shared out was fair. So whoever did the sharing out was the last one to pick. And you want to make sure every portion is equal, because otherwise you're the one who gets left with it the least. And it's funny because that's one of the kind of things that when we got married, it was one of the things I was very strong on, oh, it has to be fair, everything has to be equal. And it's taken me all the while to realize that there's actually more to go around. And it's kind of, that's probably one of the kind of not so good inheritances that I got from my parents was the fact that realized, thinking that God was lim limited. There was only, there was always a limit on something. And it's taken me a while to get to a point where I actually realized there are no limits. We put the limits on in our mind, but God has no limits. And we had a fair few arguments over that. 
in our early years of marriage, usually at bedtime, because uh, the, the scripture always came to my mind, don't go into, don't let the sun set on your arguments or whatever. So it would be about 10, 10, 30, when I'd finally pick my issue a day. We don't have <laughs> you could have it all day. But I, I, would, I would wait, and then I'm kind of, oh no, I have to say something now. So, thankfully, I moved on that as well, so now we get to sleep properly. So <laughs> He's been patient with me. <laughs> so humble. But the truth is, God wants to give us a double portion. It's not just there is enough. He wants to give us a double portion. And in the Israelites, when the father passed inheritance on to a son, or sons, or in case if there was no sons, they went to the daughters, the firstborn always got a double inheritance. So the firstborn got double, and the rest got divided between the rest of the children. And that's God's promise for us. He wants to give us double portion. And the amazing thing is, if we are God's children, he has adopted us. But Jesus was his firstborn. And by saying he's giving us a double portion, he's looking at just the same that he looks at Jesus. He wants us to have the same inheritance that he's given Jesus. And that's incredible. And in Isaiah 61, it says, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And that's the promise we have. We don't have to inherit what the world wants to give us. We don't have to believe the labels that are put on us by people. They're labels that God's put on us when he created us. And those are the ones he wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that we are created for a purpose. That every single one of us, there is an inheritance he's given us. That can't be given to anybody else because that's the inheritance he gave us when we were born. And the amazing thing is, I, I just can't get over it. He, think, he thinks we are just like Jesus. Because there's so many times I know I fall short. But in God's eyes, he views me just like Jesus. He wants to give me the same inheritance that he wants to give Jesus. And I think part of the struggle for us is we are human beings in the end of the day. We have a spirit, but we are human beings as well. And we have been brought up in families that some are better than others, but usually even the best family, parents get something wrong because we are only human in the end of the day. And the children remind us about that very often. But there's good inheritance that has been passed down to each one of us from our family line. And they're bad things. And I think part of the thing God has been speaking to me is recognizing what's the good inheritance that you've been passed down and what's the bad. And it's knowing what's your inheritance. Last night, Marcus played um, the old rugged cross. 
and that brought back memories because part of my inheritance is I was brought up Pentecostal in Finland and a big part of the Pentecostal culture in Finland is in the summertime you have tent meetings. One time the tent meeting was actually next to a church building so we could have been in a church building next door <laughs> but because the thing to do in summertime is to have a tent meeting they put up this huge tent next to the church. The sun was shining and the weather was good, so it didn't really matter. But kind of looking back, I think, why did you do that? <laughs> but then the idea is you're outside, people call, go past, and they're more likely to hear, whereas if you're in the building, they can't hear. But it would usually, the meetings would go on for hours, and you'd sing all the old songs. It probably weren't that old at the time. But that's part of my inheritance. And the, the singing the song last night is just brought back to so many good memories. Of, I think I'm sure at the time I complained and moaned and kind of muttered, why do we have to go to yet to another meeting? But looking back, those meetings, they left a deposit in me, sitting there, listening, hearing the songs. It left something in my spirit, even though as a kind of child, you'd rather be playing outside. And the good thing with the tent meetings is you could be playing around outside or running around, and you still hear it. Um, but that's part of my inheritance, and I think for each one of you, there are things that have been put in, into you that are God's inheritance for you. And other, other, other inheritance or more natural side that I have is one of the things I always said when I was growing up, I will not be a teacher. Purely because my father was a teacher and his brother was a teacher, and they could talk for a long time. But my dad's mum was a teacher, and so were the two generations above her. So I come from a line of four generations of teachers, and I was adamant I would not be the fifth generation. <laughs> I'm a lecturer. <laughs> it's not a teacher, but it's close enough. <laughs> and that's something that has been passed down my family line. There is an innate ability or desire that has been passed down. And however much I fought it, here I am, lecturing, talking to students for my living and actually enjoying it, which is much of a surprise to me. But again, each one of us, there are things, that, abilities that God has given you, musical abilities, patience, just things about your personality that God has given you and they have been passed down your family line and they are a blessing to you. And I think as a church, they are, I think we need to know our inheritance as a church, especially in the Northeast, because this was one of the first areas where Christianity came into. You have the Northern Saints, Cuthbert, Bede, Oswald, Aidan, that's the one, Ninian, there's loads of them. I should really remember because in my son's is a Catholic school he goes to, so all the houses are named after saints. So forever I'm hearing this house and that house, or Oswald or Bede beat each other. But there is an inheritance for us that is tapped into. Sons Oswald's, Oswald used to be a big in healing, and the hospice is named after him. What's the inheritance in that? He was known for healings. People traveled for miles and miles just to be touched by him. And I'm sure one of the saints, the spots where he, think he probably got martyred, but the spots where his blood bled, people came to the spots and they were healed just by being in the same location. So that's our inheritance in this region. 
and it's an inheritance we can tap into, is one of the old wells that can be redug. And England, or United Kingdom as a country, there's so many revivals that have started in this country. You have so many moves of God that have started here. You got Baptist, you got Methodist, you got Salvation Army. They've started in this country, and that's an inheritance that we can claim. And we, I think we've partly we've forgotten because we haven't looked after it, we haven't invested into it, and it's kind of fizzled out. But at the time when each one of those moves of God started, there were powerful moves. And people got saved and people got healed. And I was reading in, I think it was the Primitive Methodist. They had a big series of meetings up in Newcastle. They had meetings in Town Moor. And people got saved and people got healed. And that's in here. That's our inheritance. And some of you know that this building used to be a Salvation Army before. And there is an incredible inheritance that we have from that. And the Impact Salvation Army had this in, in this area. Uh, being a curious person, I googled the history of Salvation Army in Whitley Bay, seeing if there was anything that came up about this building. And one of the things in Rockcliffe School, which is around the corner, they'd got old pupils to uh, kind of share memories of what it was like growing up in the area. And more than one of the memories mentioned coming to this building to Sunny Club or something that it was called. But the kids from the area used to come here and be impacted by God in this building because of the work the Salvation Army did. And I'm sure those of you who are local from here and grew up in the area, you'd have duck shed stories last night of how he came here as a child. So that's part of our inheritance as a church, that this church has had an impact on the area. And Salvation Army, it was soap and soup were the two big things. And we've stepped into that through food bank. We give our food, tin soup, and other lovely things, but we also give out soap. So we are being true to our inheritance, but I think there's more that God wants to call us to do as a church. And to me, the question that kept going in my mind was, have we forgotten the old battles that have been won? So there's been all these victories that have been gained by people before us but we've forgotten about them. And at times we are trying to re-battle the old battles, but it's actually we just have to rest in our inheritance. Say, God, this battle has already been won. I don't have to fight the battle again. And I believe that there's some, something quite exciting coming for us if we believe and claim our inheritance. And that was one of the things when the Israelites promised land, it was promised to them, so it was there for them to have, nothing was going to take it away, but they still had to step in to the land and possess it, take ownership of it. And it's the same for us, each one of us, we've been given promises, we've had prophecies, there are words spoken over our lives, but we need to take ownership of those, we need to possess them and claim them. And in Deuteronomy 26.1, it's talking about um, the promised land. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. There's two words there that kind of really got my attention. Well, it's more than two words. I can't count. Possession of it and settled in it. 
And God was giving them the land, but there was still a physical act of the Israelites going into the land and making it their home. Because if you have a piece of land and you just have it and do nothing with it, it becomes wasteland. Nothing grows there. It's of no value to anybody. But if you want to inherit the land, you have to, in first, God gives it to you. It's his promise to you. But then there is, we have to enter, take possession and settle in. We have to make it our inhabitation. We have to move in and take it ours. And the inheritance is meant to be used, not to sit in a cupboard and get dusty. In David's family, there's this rather fancy silver pot that was given to one of David's great, great, great something. He was a doctor and he saved the region or the air town from plague by his actions as a doctor. And as a sign of thanks, the village pulled together money and bought this amazing silver pot that is, is like premiership trophies, big. And it's got this whole kind of plaque on the side saying why it was given to this. I can't remember the name of whatever they were. But the thing is, it sits in a cupboard. It's an heirloom, but it sits in a cupboard. It's pointless. It's very pretty, but it's not being used. And our inheritance gets value by the fact that it's used. The words that God's given you, if they're just words that sit on a shelf, there's no value to them. They need to be in use. And there are times when we have to wait for our inheritance. So it's not to say, if you have word that God's given you and hasn't come to pass, it's not to say that there isn't a period of waiting. If we look back to Israelites again, not all the tribes received their inheritance at the same time. There was a couple of them got their inheritance on one side of Jordan. Then they crossed the Jordan, and again, a few more got in their inheritance. It was a process. And it was kind of quite a while later when the last ones of them got their inheritance. So it does take time to claim their inheritance. But the fact was they were on their way. They were doing something about it. And in Proverbs 20:21, it says, An inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. And we had recently made our will after 15 years of marriage and two kids with those probably time. Not that we got ourselves a big mortgage and pile of books again to leave Henrik and Elsie. But one of the things we stipulated in the will was that if we were both to die, the children would not get the money until they're 25. Because both of us felt that before that point, it would be too early. And I think there's something similar going on with us and God. He wants us to mature so that we are ready. Because if we step into what he has called us too early, we might run for a while, but we might get tired. And he wants the time to be right. But again, thinking of the will, there's nothing Henrik and Elsie need to do to receive that. It's because we are their parents, they're getting it. And it's the same with God. We can't earn the inheritance. He's our dad and he's leaving it to us as a gift. He's giving it to us. So you can't strive. There isn't a formula that you can work out. It's a gift God wants to give us. 
And I love in Ephesians 1.5, when it talks about God adopting us, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. In his pleasure and his will. Nothing starts in love. So the first before us is in love he predestined us. So it's because he loved us and it's his pleasure and his will. It's not something he has to do. It's something he wants to do. And the inheritance, it goes down family line. And we are God's children, so in his inheritance is coming to us. In Romans 8.17, it says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And that's the wonderful promise he has for us. We are co-heirs, and we're sharing with Jesus the double portion he's been entitled to as the firstborn, we are sharing in the same inheritance. And going back to Abraham, he was kind of, he did really, he was muttering to God, kind of, why would you leave me this inheritance? Because I, goes, I haven't got anybody to leave this to. In, in actual fact, servants could inherit in those days. But what happened was that the year of Jubilee, the property returned back to the tribal line. So God was taking care. Even, even though a servant could inherit, at the year of Jubilee, it would return back to the family line. So if you are a servant, you will inherit, but will only be for time. Whereas if you are a son or daughter, you will inherit forever. It will not be taken away from you. And there's no matter what we do, we can't lose our inheritance as a son or daughter. It's God's promise for us. And the wonderful illustration of this is the prodigal son. Because when the younger son turned up to the father and said, I want my inheritance, he was pretty much saying to the father, I want you dead. Because that's when you usually receive your inheritance, is at the death of the parents. So the younger son turned around and said, I want you dead. He took everything... The father lovingly shared the inheritance, and the younger son took everything he was given and left. So he cut his ties to his inheritance. He wanted nothing to do with his family. And then down the line, when he realized he made a mistake, he was ready to come back as a servant. But the father took him back as a son. He gave the rope, he gave the sandals, he gave the ring, all signs of being a child one who is entitled to inherit. So there's nothing we can do to lose our inheritance. God has promised each one of us different things that are our own inheritance. And we cannot misbehave in a way that God would make change his mind. His words are always yes and amen. And the sad thing was, at the time when the father divided the inheritance, the older brother got to his inheritance as well. So both of the sons were given their inheritance. But the older brother, he had the inheritance, but he didn't possess it. He didn't take ownership of it. He just let it be there. 
So much so that when the younger son returned, he was having a moan about how much the father was doing for the younger son, when I have always been here. And I think at times we are in danger of just thinking it's not for us. God is blessing that person, he can't bless me. Whereas the truth is, he wants to bless each one of us. The inheritance is there for each one of us. The promise of eternal life is there for each one of us. And the question God, God has been asking me is, what am I investing in? In 1 Corinthians 15, 15. I think I better use the Bible because I brought it rather than read from my notes all the time. Fifteen fifty. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. So the difference between perishable and imperishable The flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But we have been called to collect treasures in heaven, not on earth. That's what we should be investing in, as individuals and as church. He has called, to invest in he called us to invest in heaven. And what are, we, what are we passing on? When we got married and before we had Henrik, one of the things we thought about, what's the culture we want to have in our family? What are the things we want to have? And one of the things was we wanted childhood to be fun for our kids. And so far, hopefully, we managed that. And the other thing, we wanted them to be confident. And again, it's a bit too early to say for Elsie because she's only three months and at the moment she just smiles and doesn't do much else. But Henrik, I would say we've done pretty well so far. So last summer he travelled to Finland on his own. Didn't bat an eyelid. He wouldn't even turn around to wave to us. <laughs> it was the lady who was taking him through the gates who was kind of tapped him on the shoulder and said, you better wave to your parents. 
But he was confident and happy to go and spend time with his aunties and get spoiled. But it wasn't an issue. It didn't even enter his mind that he should be fearful of the fact that he was going on a plane journey to a different country on his own. He was confident. And I think that's... It was quite, we talked about it quite a lot. What's the culture we want to have in our family? And it's the same for us as a church. What's the culture we want to have as a church? What are the things we want to encourage? What are the things we want to see grow? What's the fruit we want to see? And I think we stepped into some of the things that God has for us as a church, but I think there's more to come. There's more to come. And inheritance is, is not about things. It's not about big house and money. It's about legacy. It's not about ownership, but it's legacy. It's what you leave behind that's bigger than you. What do we leave behind as a church that's bigger than us now? And in the news a couple of weeks ago, there was two different pictures and two different stories that caused my attention and really highlighted what's the legacy that has been left behind. One of them was Prince George. He'd been allowed to stay up late to meet the President of the United States, as you do. But that boy has an incredible legacy that has been passed down. He has an amazing great-grandmother who is a firm believer and who has served this country faithfully for a long time. And even at 90, she does more in a week than most of us in a month properly. And that's the legacy the little boy has. And the other story was Andreas Breivik. Um, there was mass murder in Norway a couple of years ago. And they'd released some of the psychologist reports around that case. And reading that, you could kind of, you could but wonder how it ended like that because his mother had pretty much said to him, I want you dead. And her mother, had told the daughter, you are a mistake. The, the grandmother, I think, had polio, was housebound. So the daughter, from the age of eight when the father died, had to look after the mother, mother on her own, wasn't allowed to go to school and have anything to do with the outside world. She so was at the beck and call of this grandmother. So at the age of 17, she ran away. But having spent 10 years looking after psychotic poorly, grandmother had left a sign. So when she had children, she didn't have good inheritance to pass on to. She only had words of death and despair that she could pass on to because that was all she had had. And then the child ended up killing lots of people. And then the family had been kind of, psychologists had actually observed the family. When the child was four, it was recommended that he would be removed from the mother's care. It would be in the best interest for the child to be removed. But he wasn't. And it's easy when you look back and say, you should have done that. But the point I want you to take from that is the legacy, the difference in the legacy that you can pass on to. Because at birth, they are just two babies. But then the legacy that's passed on to through the generations has an impact. And it's a funny thing talking about inheritance because it is for us individually, but it's also for us as a church. As a church, there are generations and generations. 
Uh, what is the legacy we want, we want to pass on the young people we saw in the front this morning? What are the seeds that we want to sow into them that we might not even see the fruit of in years to come? What are we investing into as a church? So I think this morning I kind of, it's quite a somber topic, but I just want to encourage you that God has given you inheritance, that he has spoken words, he's given you promises, and he wants to see those promises to come true. He's not going to forget them. We might, but he will not. And he is calling us to take hold of those promises, to step into the promised land, and start to inhabit it. And I feel that there's three questions I want to leave, leave you with for you to ponder. Is what is your inheritance? What was it that was passed down to you from your family line? What are you investing in? What are the areas you want to see growth in? And what's your legacy? I'd just like to read the scripture from Isaiah again. If I could get you to close your eyes and just, just to listen to the promise God has given you of double portion. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, so that you will inherit the double portion in the land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among their pe- the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All of who see them will acknowledge that their people the Lord has blessed. And that's the promise for us. We are called to be the people God has blessed. And he has already blessed us, but there's more that he wants to bless us with. Amen.